Just a quick heads up, this show contains sensitive and graphic material that might not be for everyone. If you don't enjoy in-depth true crime, humor about true crime, and drinking, please don't continue. We want to be respectful of the victims in these crimes, but as for the criminal, we just don't give a shit. Welcome to Crimes and Cocktails, a podcast where we explore true crime while drinking a customized cocktail created by us, your bartenders. My daughter's been missing since this morning. She's eight months pregnant. is now joining the search for a missing California woman who is eight months pregnant. Her husband reported her missing after he returned from a fishing trip, a trip he took by himself. Please bring our daughter home. You know, you're good. That something bad has happened. Are you in any way connected to Lacey's disappearance? I have nothing to do with Lacey's disappearance. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Tabitha. And I'm Katie. Last week, we discussed the disappearance of Lacey Peterson and her unborn son, Anne Amber Fry, Scott Peterson's mistress. Tonight, we're going to continue the Scott Peterson case and get into how Lacey and Connor were found and Scott's arrest and trial. But before that, make sure you're ready with the drink. We're still drinking the Scott Scandal Spritz, which can be found on our Instagram at Crimes and Cocktails. And if you had any questions or suggestions on how to make this drink a little bit more spritzier or a little bit more scandalous, you can go ahead and DM us or you can message us at crimes.cocktails at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Definitely. All right, let's get into it. So before Lacey was actually found, the police suspected that she'd been dumped in the bay and were constantly searching. Which pretty much is because I think we talked about it last week a little bit, but... I mean, they're already suspicious of Scott from the beginning, especially because he said he had went fishing out there mm-hmm. in that bay particularly, so that's why their attention was kind of there. But they had some scent dogs that apparently smelled Lacey's scent at the dock where Scott's boat is, actually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they had been searching that bay constantly, and... I read that they searched that bay actually over like 27 times, which that bay is super huge. It's massive. It's the San Francisco Bay. So I, I don't even know how they thought they could find anyone in the first place, but they were looking. I guess like the FBI even got involved. Yeah. On um, five of those 27 um, different searches, Scott was seen sitting in his car watching the search, but he never got out to talk to cops or help. On a couple of those occasions, he was in a rental car, so he wouldn't be recognized, probably by media, because, you know, they were pretty hot on his trail constantly. <laughs> um, but it just, I don't know, it's kind of weird that he just sat in his car and was watching them the entire time and not, you know, asking for an update if they had found anything. Well, it's kind of like how you said last week when he, out, he told his sister, and when he was staying with her, he's like, they're not even looking in the right place. Like, it's just weird little things like that. And then he's just watching them as they're looking in the right place. Yeah, it's a strange comment to, to make. It's like, well, what would be the right place? Or, like, I don't know. 
It's just... <laughs> I mean, from one perspective, you could think, like, maybe he's sitting there waiting to hope they don't find anything, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So Lacey's baby, uh, Connor, was actually found before her on April 13th um, by a dog walker. So pretty much, you know, like Law & Order, all criminal minds. <laughs> you walk a dog, you're going to find a dead body. Ice-T's got something to say about it. <laughs> you mean that baby's dead? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Love Ice-T. Okay, uh, so Connor's body was still intact and appeared to be born after Lacey's death or had died with her and his body had floated free after she began to decompose. Yeah, I actually read that there was electrical tape on his ear and some twine wrapped around his neck, so there were actually a few debates on whether or not the baby had been killed after birth or not, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. On April 14th, 2003, at San Francisco Bay, a torso was found. Um, It was later determined to be female, and her arms were missing and part of her leg. All of her internal organs besides her uterus were gone and she was badly decomposing she was wearing white maternity pants and a nursing bra we're going to talk a little bit more about her and connor's body so when we get to trial she also had duct tape on the crotch of her pants yes um but both of those bodies were found in the same exact area that scott said he was fishing at Mm -hmm. sounds fishy to me (laughs) definitely all right So, Scott Peterson was arrested a week later at a golf course in San Diego. The golf course was only 30 miles from the Mexico border. He had hella stuff on him. So, he had almost $15,000 in cash, Mexican pesos, clothing, fishing gear, knives, four cell phones, his mom's credit card, a gun, his brother's driver's license, camping equipment, sleeping pills, duct tape, rope, and a map to Amber's work. I mean, you don't just have that in your car all the time. (laughs) Sounds like a regular camping trip to me. On a daily basis, I always have... Maybe a Vegas trip. And a map tamper's work. He just went on map quest. Yeah, this is definitely the map quest days, too, by the way. He printed out a map quest. He's like, oh, no, no, skip those first five steps. But also, why does he have a map to Amber's work if he's in San Diego? And she works, like, eight hours north in Fresno. Yeah, I don't get why he had that in the car. He was just leftovers from the last time he was over there. He was driving a recently purchased used Mercedes-Benz, and he had used his mother's name, Jacqueline Peterson, on the DMV slips and paid for it with $3,600 in cash. You mean you can get a Benz for 36G? I know. Well, actually not 36G. (laughs) What was it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. His hair and goatee were also dyed blonde. Uh, this this dude was definitely planning an escape. He led cops on a high-speed chase. Uh, they said he was driving very erratically. He was on the phone with his brother during it, saying he was dodging media. Um, but, I mean, he I was mean, driving insane. And when you dodge media, you don't need $15,000 in cash on you. I read like one report that the cops were saying, he was driving erratically at 80, 90 miles per hour. And I was like, bro, that's just me on an average late to, <laughs> late to work day. I'm always late. <laughs> uh, but I guess he was actually driving, like I think, faster than that. And he was just kind of swerving all over the roads. And he says, oh, I thought they were the media and I was trying to lose them and stuff. And I'm just thinking, like, I feel like you're making more of a spectacle if you're going to be switching lanes. You make you make yourself more noticeable if yeah. you're like, cutting off cars. He was definitely trying trying to evade the cops 
Yeah, there's like an argument for everything that he had in his car. I was watching the A&E documentary, which is pretty much got to be funded by his family or like the innocent side or what do they call it? The spa group? Yes. Scott Peterson Appeal yeah. <laughs> team or they something like that. a website dedicated to it. Uh, freescottpeterson.com. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all the stuff that the cops supposedly missed. I mean, I'm not going to say the cops didn't miss stuff. I'm sure they did. Yeah. But it's just making a case that he's, you know, innocent. Which, you know, I'm not going to say I know everything. The dude was a douchebag, obviously. He's guilty. 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 <laughs> I think he's guilty personally, but we're going to go through the trial and you can decide for yourself. Um, Don't mind our guilty specs on it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I think he's guilty. Yeah. Um, like in the last episode, they're saying like, well, the golf course just is 30 minutes away from the border. So that's why he was so close to the border. And the reason he had $15,000 is because his sister accidentally pulled it out and didn't want to have a hold on the funds. All these coincidences, I'm like, this guy has to be the most unluckiest motherfucker in the world if this happened to him and he's innocent. That's just how I feel. Oh, and why does he have an ID? Oh, because his brother gets a discount at the golfing place. It was just like everything. He's guilty being shady, that's for sure. Guilty being shady. (laughs) Yes, so I don't know. The whole thing is extremely coincidental mofo mofo out here looking like not so slim shady with multiple phones cash IDs etc in his wannabe baller bends but he's racing for the border and did we mention he also has Viagra of course he does (laughs) of course He's ready to go and spend the rest of his life in Mexico on the land. Get money, get paid, get bitches, get laid. Seriously. He's going to find himself, yep. With his duct tape. (laughs) (laughs) Duct tape and Viagra. And uh, what are your plans across the border, sir? (laughs) I know. Uh, (laughs) I just, I don't know. I just came here with duct tape and Viagra. I don't know. I don't have a plan. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to get creative, real creative. (laughs) Obviously. I was reading somewhere where it says, because I mentioned he had clothing, but somewhere there was a cow that he brought like 15 pairs of shoes with him. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, he had, like, a full wardrobe in there. He had tons of shoes. He had a lot of different clothing. Um, He was not just cruising. To the golf course. No. How many pairs of shoes? I mean, he is in San Diego, so he's, like, eight hours away from home. So it's possible he's just, like having his uh, vacation down there, some time down there, but it's... four cell phones and Viagra. Yeah. <laughs> it's for his four personalities. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> four different it's a different friends. phone for every mistress. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so, um... A little good Monica <laughs> on number five. <laughs> <laughs> ring, ring. <laughs> so, police, um, arrest him at the golf course. Um, they were undercover, so, you know, they were in traditional cop cars. They told him... Hence why he thought they were the media. Yeah. Supposedly. Yes. (laughs) So at this point is when he gets told that the bodies that washed up were Lacey and Connor. He didn't really react. Um, The cops said that he just made kind of like a little noise and that was it. So they're heading back to Modesto and on the way they stop at In-N-Out to eat. When I read this, I was so just grossed out. Because, you know, he just found out that... Were you also hungry? <laughs> I was also a little hungry, yeah. I was just like, ooh, that sounds good, good. But they were... Um, I've never had these out. two emotions discussed in and out in the same thought process. Yeah. No. Oh. 
Um, just found out his wife and son were dead, and, you know, Lacey's body was pretty uh, decomposed. Scott goes over and orders a double-double with cheese, fries, and a vanilla shake. Yeah, could you put some onions on that animal style too, please? Seriously. He's getting everything animal style. It doesn't say, but I'm assuming. He's getting everything animal style with a vanilla shake. I'm kind of hungry right now. And... <laughs> Like, I know in enough down the street from here. But I could smell it from the window. <laughs> she lives right down the street from In-N-Out. I couldn't do it. I know In-N-Out is delicious, but like I could not eat anything if I had just found out my missing wife and child were now confirmed dead. Especially not like a fucking double-double. Hey, man. <laughs> Seriously. Don't hate. <laughs> he was charged with two counts of first-degree murder with a special circumstance of double homicide. Like a Double, double homicide. With cheese. (laughs) (laughs) And a fry. What were you saying about the the McDonald's meal earlier? Oh, so, you know, at McDonald's, they have the the Travis Scott meal that everybody went wild over. Now you just go to in and out and ask for the Scott Peterson meal. They are missing out on an opportune advertisement. (laughs) So much money. Come and get the Scott Peterson meal. (laughs) It's nothing special. It's just, you know, what they always have, but... Oh, my gosh. The guy's just got a dairy addiction, man. It's the milk and the pizza... Double double vanilla shake. Oh my gosh, he should have made a Neapolitan. That sounds so good. I know, he didn't even order it right. He went with a vanilla and he didn't get anything animal style. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> For more than this reason, but yes. Yeah, and the dude had. So this is an eight hour drive home, so I mean, I guess I could see getting a little hungry on an eight hour road trip, but. The guy, when he gets back to Modesto and the, the police are transporting him back, escorting him back to the police station, the word has got out that they have arrested him. Like, we said, this was, like, a massive case, and this is before, like, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. I mean, I think there was, yeah, there was MySpace around that time MySpace frame. MySpace like, just started. Yeah, just started. So... Like, social media is not really existing yet. It's, like, the beginning of it. So people are just glued to the news, and they're getting it all their information from that. So it's like, this just in. Scott Peterson arrested, and people are, holy shit. So they are crowding the police station in Modesto to wait his arrival. And they've all got these cutesy little welcome home, you baby murderer signs and stuff. <laughs> Gosh, there was, like, one that was... Um, saying something like hope you fry with fries or I don't know there's all kinds of stuff we were watching one uh, documentary and they were like yelling stuff at his mom like I hope your son fries this was awful (laughs) this family was going through enough and then have people shouting that about their son like guilty or not like people love this stuff like we talk about the times in Rome when gladiators would you know fight each other or there'd be lions eating people and all these people would be in crowds to watch or like you're saying how people line up to watch hanging yeah and when Ted Bundy was executed people were freaking parking lot pipping it with yeah. their mullets and their Bud Light in the parking lot and lighting cool. stuff and saying fry Ted, fry Love Ted when somebody gets killed or somebody's going to get killed. It's disgusting. I mean, especially if it's a bad guy. This, guy's, this guy is a baby murderer so, I mean, there's some extra tension there and people were so invested in this uh, case before they found out it was a murder because people were combing the streets, the rivers, the parks, yeah. the ocean for her, so... This case, this case was huge. This was going on at the same time as the Iraq War, and 
people were reporting on this on the news at the same time as they were reporting on the war. It it blew up huge and no pun intended with the war. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's probably really insensitive. Um, so Scott, of course, pleaded not guilty, and he hired because this was such a massive case. It was national news. Um, he hired celebrity attorney Mark. I'm going to butcher this. Garagos. Garagos, who had previously represented Michael Jackson. (laughs) Garagos requested that the trial... (laughs) What? (laughs) Garagos requested the trial be moved because of the media attention, and his request was granted. Although, they only moved the trial 90 miles away to Redwood City, which is still in the Bay Area, for those of you who don't know. It's, like, north west of Modesto. And it doesn't make sense to me because uh, where they found Lacey's body is like 90 miles from Modesto, so it's yeah. probably the same vicinity of where they found the body. It doesn't they make any sense. They anywhere in California that would have been yeah. safer. Yeah. Um, so Garagos was very local, vocal. Well, he was not local. <laughs> He's from Southern but he was very vocal early on that he was going to call eyewitnesses. I had seen Lacey alive after the prosecution said she was dead because if you remember, the police and the prosecution, they believe that Lacey must have been killed sometime early in the morning or in the middle of the night because the last contact we have from her from someone who's not Scott is she and her mom had a phone call at 8.30 the night before and then we don't think anyone has seen her or talked to her since. So, and then Scott left for his fishing trip around 10.30, I believe it was. So they're trying to see if Lacey, if there's any witnesses that can say that Lacey was alive 10.30, or something like that, so they can work on that. Um, they also wanted to test boats similar to Scott's to see if it's even possible to have the four concrete anchors and to be able to toss a body over without the boat capsizing. And I guess they did test it out, but just with boats that were very similar to Scott's so that they could prove that Scott hadn't did it, actually. Yeah. So I was reading that when the prosecution heard that Garagos was doing this, they said that he needed to take Scott's actual boat out and do the test again to see what would happen. But Garagos backtracked and said that he wasn't going to, so the test didn't happen. It was pretty interesting that A&E Doc doesn't mention that um, he was Garagos was asked to try it on Scott's actual boat because they do bring up that he did the tests on similar boats. Um, yeah. But, you know, if it's not the exact same boat, it's not a really a test, so... Uh, yeah, like what what defines like? Yeah, I know, I don't same know. size. Like, is it the same material? And was the guy ca- the same capable kind of person as Scott? You know? Yeah, because Scott he doesn't look like he goes and lifts weights or anything, but he looks like he's probably a strong guy. And Lacey's pretty short. If you remember from episode one, he's a self proclaimed he's a sportsman. sportsman that's right. <laughs> you know, with the yeah. golf course there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, people were really invested in Lacey's disappearance from the beginning and just invested in this in case. Like, media is going through a frenzy right now. If you remember, I mentioned earlier about the billboards. When she first disappeared, 
hundreds of people in Modesto formed search parties right away. They tried to help however they could. They paid for giant billboards and large signs to go up in neighborhoods with, I think it was at first, $25,000 reward. Then it was a $50,000 reward. Then they eventually raised it to a $500,000 reward. And then once the Amber and Scott story came out, everyone was like, ah, shit. He did it. <laughs> They're like, people turned uh, on the immediately. Oh yeah, they they totally did. So they started swarming Scott, and everywhere he went or his family went, they were following him. They were yelling stuff at him, like "Fry your son!" I hope your son fries and stuff. <laughs> Baby murder. They were um, they were calling him out. All kind. They were waiting outside his house all the time. It's kind of crazy, which is why I can kind of see why his hair. Why he tried to go for like the Eminem look and dye in a blonde, possibly. I don't know. It wasn't a good look for him. He uh, said at one point with the hair too that he it got blonde because he was swimming in a friend's pool and chlorine did that. <laughs> and I was like, it doesn't get that blonde. You, it does not get that blonde. And his goatee and everything. He looked like uh, Guy Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> the same friend he said who he went swimming in the pool said he was never in the pool either. So. Unless you put in that spray and sunnet. stuff, sunnet. <laughs> this was the high peak Which of was the time around then, so unless he, like, totally... And put it in his beard and his yeah. eyebrows, too, because his eyebrows and his beard were also, like, significantly yeah. blonder. But the friend said he was never in the pool, so I don't... I don't know. know. Super weird. But yeah, there was a radio show uh, that was actually in the Bay Area. This is kind of ridiculous. I don't think they should have been allowed to do this, but I don't know, freedom of speech, I guess. But they actually paid for a giant billboard to have a picture of Scott in his orange jumpsuit, and they wrote in giant letters, man or monster, (laughs) send in your votes. It was just like, to me... I don't know. I feel like the word association there, you're putting a picture of him in an orange jumpsuit, which we already associate as a criminal. Yeah. If we see anyone in an orange jumpsuit, we automatically are like, oh yeah, they're a bad guy. They did something bad. And then he puts monster there. Like, they don't even put guilty or not guilty or anything like that. Like, they just, they automatically have assumed he's guilty, but we're going to have some fun with this and get some extra calls on a radio show. Yeah, and this is before, you know, his trial. It's And this is out there for people <laughs> to be seeing. Like, I mean, I personally think he's guilty, but I mean, didn't even get a trial yet. The guy didn't even want his picture on, like, little yard sign, like, posters. <laughs> he's got his face on a billboard. Jumpsuit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, Nancy Grace was, like, all on this. Larry King on CNN. They were all talking about it. Interesting. It'd be like, and this just in on Iraq and oh yeah Scott Peterson was arrested today like everyone knew about this case in America at this time pretty insane which is crazy for a couple that weren't celebrities in any way you know Mm -hmm. they were small town people and he's Um, not like a serial killer no that we know of like I I hate to say this but it's kind of a run-of-the-mill murder (laughs) and this is as run-of-the-mill I guess as a murder could be I think the reason why this I mean, obviously, the fact that she's eight months pregnant yeah, has a lot to do with it. But like you said, there was another woman that was found dead, and she was pregnant, and yeah. I didn't even know about that until I read about this case. And, I mean, her family was very vocal in, you know, getting the word out and stuff like that, so that has something to do with it. But I think what's so interesting about this case and why it's still interesting is there is no clear forensics tying him to the murder yeah. 
So it's still this like, well, what if he really didn't do it? Which is why everyone gets in like debates about it. Well, he said he was golfing, but he really went fishing or blah, blah, blah. So it's just kind of, I don't know. The whole thing is kind of weird. But um, his trial, so he was arrested in 2003, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was arrested in 2003. Her body was found in 2003. And the trial began in June 1st, 2004. And this was a long trial. It lasted 19 weeks. There were 174 witnesses introduced. Like, I think I mentioned earlier, one of the, literally this was a witness, someone who rang her up at Trader Joe's. Like, the day before Christmas Eve. Yeah. They also had, like, her nail salon manicurist uh, come in. The person who cut her hair, like, the day before. And Scott's hair. People in the neighborhood who had dogs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They were, like, um, I think they were even tracking every woman down at that time that had a dog to be like, oh, maybe this is the person you saw, which there was this one lady that was on a documentary, and she's like, I mean, I see why they asked me, because I'm short and I'm fat. Dark hair. It's like, damn, I was like, okay. (laughs) She's like, they could think I was pregnant because I was fat. I'm just like, all right, cool. (laughs) That's so sad. But, um... Yeah, they there was a lot of witnesses in this case, and the prosecutors pointed to the fact a lot that Scott always referred to himself kind of as a widower. Like, he used a lot of terms like, oh, I lost Lacey, or um, she was amazing, or I loved her, like, all in past I'm tenses. I'm in this Friday and watching my new porn channel. <laughs> yeah, with my <laughs> Viagra duct tape. Oh. <laughs> what the hell? Double, double. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I gross Maybe I'll eat a double-double now. I don't even know. Gosh, can I get that double-double Peterson style? Yeah. Give me that Scott Peterson. <laughs> no, you cannot take it and out away from us. You don't deserve that. You're disgusting. Um, they also, like, let's see. So they, they, yeah, they pointed a lot to the fact that he talked about Lacey in a past tense. And he referred to himself as a widower before Lacey was even ever found. And he, they also, of course, made sure the jury knew that Scott was pretending to mourn Lacey's appearance, but he was also still hitting up his girl Amber and constantly lying. Like, we played you guys one of the phone calls. There are a lot of those phone calls. Yeah. A lot of them. And I listened to about six of them. I'm sparing you a lot of them. It's just like... Ah, uh, you're special. You know you're special, right, Amber? What? Oh, I guess. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> she has a baby voice. I don't understand it, but <laughs> and he sounds like a really old, creepy old man in it. Oof. But yeah, Prosecutor Rick Distasso. Did I say that right? Distasso. Yeah. Distasso, like Picasso, Di- but Distasso oh. painted. Oh my gosh. Destasso painted, like Picasso painted. Anyways, <laughs> Prosecutor Rick Destasso painted the picture of a man who was unhappy in his marriage and saw that the only way out was to murder his pregnant wife. There were no eyewitnesses, no murder weapon, no DNA, and no forensic evidence to link him to the crime, which they knew, so they didn't try to hide it. 
Um, DeSasso believed that he killed Lacey on the 23rd of December, so he believed he actually killed her, like, in the evening before Christmas Eve. Yeah, leading into the And 24th. that they had evidence that Scott was looking up tide patterns before Lacey's death. So they had hacked into his computer and looked that up. Um, Amber Frey, Fry, Frey or Fry, was the star witness for the prosecution. She found out that Scott had been married on December 9th, and Scott... I think we told you guys, he told her, oh, I lost my wife. This is my first holiday without her. And so Amber Fry is saying, hey, he said he lost his wife two weeks before he actually lost his wife. Kind of weird. And he apparently bought that boat the same exact day that he tells Amber that he lost his wife. So they play those tapes. They play a lot of those tapes. And they show pictures of them and play the recordings and stuff. So during the trial, the medical examiner, who was actually named Dr. Brian Peterson, but wasn't related to the Peterson family, obviously, took the stand to tell the jury about Lacey and Connor's bodies. Mr. Peter, Mr. Peterson, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Peterson, said that it looked like Lacey had been weighed down, and that's why her limbs were missing. Yeah, there was actually some people that tried to argue that her limbs had been cut off or like sliced by like a boat's propellers but she actually had zero nicks on her bones and her limbs they were just it was apparent that they had been separated from her body because of just the erosion in the ocean yeah the erosion in the ocean (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a song i don't know dr peterson believed that connor died at the time Lacey did and his body was mainly intact because of a phenomenon called coffin birth which is when a body decomposes and the gases push a fetus out through any opening. <laughs> Sounds gross. Probably um, the main opening. What was that? I said probably the main opening. Yeah. <laughs> or like stomach. So um, he says that while her body was badly decomposed from the water, she did have two broken ribs that occurred before her death. Prosecution theorized that Scott had strangled or smothered Lacey on the bed and that her broken ribs were from him straddling her. They then concluded that he had dragged her out of the house, wrapped her in a tarp, put her in the truck, and taken her to the warehouse, um, moved her to the boat, and weighed her down before dumping her out in his, on his fishing trip. So in episode one, we talked about the duvet cover that had an imprint on it. So prosecution theorized that the imprint was from Lacey's body and Scott on top of her, uh, maybe strangling her, and that's why she had the broken ribs. Um, he did have... Uh, cuts on his hand and there was some blood on the duvet so maybe she tried to fight back um it's it's kind of reaching i feel like the whole indent in the bed i saw a picture of it and i was like um i feel like that's something that could happen just from sitting Sitting on a bed yeah but you know supposedly the big thing was like well she made the bed and she supposedly like left on a walk so blah 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 i'm just yeah, thinking like there's blood on it but i don't know there is it, it is just the guy did a really good job at cleaning up anything if there was anything to clean up so yeah so when garagos uh cross-examined dr P- peterson asking if there was any proof that Lacey had been strangled dr peterson said no there was not so you know this was just a theory they don't know how she actually yeah. died because they don't have like the rest of her body so they can't really decide if asphyxiation is how she went yeah. they don't see any apparent cuts or anything like that her body was so decomposed i don't think they could determine banner of death yeah at all they can determine that she wasn't you know 
bludgeoned to death, I think. At least from what they can tell in the torso. They don't have her mm-hmm. head to see that. And that her ribs were broken before she died, but that's pretty Yeah, much but that's it. about it. So, And I think if there was any kind of bludgeoning in the lower area, like, Connor would have been affected more, but he was yeah. perfectly intact and fine, I guess. Um, when Distasso talked to Lacey's stepfather, Ron... He claimed that he had that Scott told him he had gone golfing. So if you guys remember the 911 phone call, um, Lacey's stepdad's calling to say, "Hey, my my stepdaughter's missing." He says, "Yeah, our son went golfing all day. He said he went golfing. He came back. She's missing." And we're like, "Uh oh." He said he went golfing to them. Obviously, when he really went fishing, and. He also told a relative, Harvey Kemple, the same thing that he went golfing and not fishing. But however, later when Harvey and his wife Gwen were talking, Gwen said Scott claimed to have gone fishing like he had told the police. And then their daughter said, no, Scott told her that he had been working all day on the 24th. So Harvey said he had followed Scott on different occasions after Lacey went missing because he was kind of suspicious of Scott at this point. And Scott would say, hey, I'm going to go hang flyers up. But he would follow him, and he would see Scott would just sit in his car sometimes, or sometimes he'd just go golfing or just do other shit instead of putting up flyers. Distasso guessed as well, right, um, that Scott had changed his story because people would have realized he was at the, the marina. Like, somebody would have been like, well, how was he golfing? I saw him at the marina. And so he last minute changed to the fishing story um, to avoid getting called out on that. But obviously, he still drew a suspicion because he was telling people different stories. It's weird because I'm kind of wondering now, like, when did he talk to, like, Harvey Kemple? Like, before he talked to the police? So Harvey Kemple and... Um, Gwen? This is where I went. <laughs> I'm back. So Gwen is Sharon Rocha's cousin. And so when... Sharon found out Lacey was missing and while her um, husband was on the phone with the police, Sharon called Gwen and Harvey on her way over to Scott and Lacey's house and told them to meet her there because they needed to start searching. And so they were one of the first people on the scene with the police and they went over and at different times talked to Scott to kind of check in on how he was doing, figure out what Lacey was wearing. He told them that she had been wearing black pants and a white shirt, which she wasn't found in. So, um, and then on top of that, he had told them the different stories. So, yeah, okay, that makes sense yeah. then. Because I was thinking, like, how did he have time to slip that in there? Yeah, no, they lived in Modesto as well. Um, Harvey, Harvey Kemple. Sharon and Gwen were uh, close. Yeah, Harvey Kemple is on his court cases. Instead of saying yes, he says, you betcha. Um, you betcha. You betcha. Did he say Hecka too? That's like a Modesto thing. Hecka is such a Modesto thing. My cousins from Modesto say Hecka. It's funny. I was talking about this with my roommate, and I was like, yeah, when I first moved to Southern California, they were like, oh, you're definitely from Northern California because you say hella a lot. And I was like, oh, okay, even though I'm technically, technically not from Northern California, I'm technically from Central California. It's just more North. But Southern Californians, you guys think that anything above the grapevine is Northern California. You guys think Bakersfield is Northern California. It's not. But then I remember my our, our first roommate actually in college, yeah. she was from Modesto and she'd always say Hecka. And I was like, that's cute. <laughs> Do you mean to say Hella? Because my cousins were from Modesto and so they would say Hecka as well and I was always just like, it's Hella. Hecka. 
<laughs> you betcha. You betcha. Harvey, you betcha Kimple. Harvey Kimple. <laughs> you betcha. Did he say he was golfing? You betcha. You betcha he was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Garagos's defense was that someone else had done it and was framing Scott. Um, after hearing his alibi on the news, <laughs> went far reach. But anyway, um, he said that they had taken her while she was walking the dog. Garagos called Scott a cad. Who had oh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Let's back that up for a second. So, Garagos' defense is saying that someone else killed Lacey and then figured oh we'll dump the body in the bay because the police aired all over the news like hey Scott was seen at this bay yeah. does anyone have any information so it is kind of a far reach because I feel like if you kill a body you're not going to be well I got this thing lying around what do I do with it yeah perfect but at the same time I'm kind of like it's kind of dumb that they did, I feel like, put his alibi out there. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah. At all. They could have been like, did anyone see suspicious... I don't know. Actually, I don't even know if I'd say anything about that, but... I feel like there's some things in a case that you shouldn't release to the public, and... Like, you withhold... You give some of the details, but you withhold some details, so that when someone comes to you, you're able to determine if they're telling the truth or not. Yeah. And the problem with this case is I think the police kind of put all the details out there. Yeah. Like that that is actually the problem with this case is that everyone already determined in their mind what had happened and who was guilty before the case even went to trial. And the media, you know, they took a lot of stuff and ran with it because they realized right away how popular it was. Um, they didn't wait to get things fact-checked. They were getting, like, tips here and there, and they just, you know, were publishing them. I feel like whether you celebrate Christmas or not, it's like one of those things where if a crime is committed on Christmas too, yeah, it like really, it's like oh that's 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 not right, yeah, you know, kind of a thing. And they're like a, a young, good-looking couple. Like Lacey's cute; she's pregnant. It's gonna get big. Um, so Garagos called Scott a cad who cheated on his wife, but that didn't make him a murderer. You cad. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what is this Victorian England? Like, I don't know. Nobody uses that word anymore. Um, so one of his biggest claims was that Connor was actually older than what Dr. Peterson had said, and that it was possible that he had been alive, um, which alluded to the idea that Lacey had been kidnapped and not killed until after she had gave um, given birth. Yeah, so because Connor was so, we keep saying the word intact, which basically, like, he looked like a baby that had just been born. Like he, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, he wasn't decomposing. He had. I hate to say this, but he had all of his body parts. Everything was there. So they're like, how could her body be so badly decomposed and he be fine? He must have been born after she was dead or something. So they try to say he was killed after December twenty fourth. And there was some electrical tape on his ears, some twine wrapped around his neck. Um, they tried to say, oh, maybe a satanic group like kidnapped Lacey and they're performing rituals on the baby which I think there was a satanic group in Modesto around this time right? Yeah that had taken a pregnant lady but they had like decapitated her and I don't think they had done anything with the baby um, but she was very obviously like cut up in a ritual killing and Lacey didn't show any signs of that No no she was not like that the defense called a fertility doctor, um, expert Dr. March, to the stand, and he um, also said that Connor could be older, maybe born on December 29th. Uh, Garagos thought uh, the tape on Connor could have been used to kill him. 
when Dr. March was cross-examined, he, uh, he was asked how he came to the conclusion that Connor was born on December 29th. He said he'd used the date of Connor's conception, but she said it was around June 9th, the date Lacey found out she was pregnant. I don't think that it. guy took sex ed. Seriously. <laughs> um, he, when he was questioned further, he had to admit that his calculation was not scientific, making uh, Garagos' argument invalid. It's like, not everyone finds out that they're pregnant exactly two weeks after they did it, either. I yeah. mean, some people, it's like two months. Some people, it's four months. Some people, it's the first period, you know? Like, and, it just doesn't make any sense. If Connor was born on December 29th and his body wasn't found until April 13th, that he was not decomposed after being that many months in the San Francisco Bay, like, did they just keep him and he didn't age in those months and then they yeah. threw him in the water? That's like kind of wondering, like, why didn't her OBGYN have anything to say? Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of weird now that I'm thinking about it. Because yeah, the OBGYN would have been like, oh, she was this far along by this date. Yeah. That would make more sense and they would know her due date, so... This science does not make sense. Well, her due date was February 10th. <laughs> February 10th? Okay. Yeah. It's still, well, I guess they're trying to pin it, pinpoint it to an exact date, but it just seems like a lot of work to go through to figure out his age when they could have, there's probably records somewhere. Yeah. And regardless, if he was born December 29th and looked like a newborn baby in April, that just, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And the actual autopsy reports, they state that the material found on and around him was stuff that actually caught or wrapped around him as he floated through the bay, which makes sense. And that the reason why he was so put together and, like, intact still is because he had barely separated from Lacey's body when he'd been found. So he'd only been out of her body for a few hours um, before he washed up on the shore. So Lacey's body was protecting Connor from all the damage to the ocean. Her body was just getting hit with everything until her body eventually decomposed enough where Connor slipped out the top of it, not vaginally, so... Yeah, her um, her cervix was completely intact, so... Um, and then the duct tape that was on her pants was probably left over from wrapping her up in a tarp or something, or could have been more Just trash Debris or something, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's get back to that burglary we talked about earlier. Um, this was another claim that they had, so, you know, they had, obviously, the satanic... Uh, thought right that they're like oh maybe someone yeah. kidnapped her and tried to do a ritual or something i feel like when a lot of people are murdered they go right to santanic <laughs> which <laughs> rarely happens yeah, it does happen but yeah. it rarely happens it's it's like nine out of ten times the husband <laughs> like it really is though it's always personal especially in a one-time murder unless it's like a serial killer that's killing a specific type or something like that that okay could be like someone you don't know but in these cases where it's just one person murdered it's someone that knows them yeah it's very rare that it's someone who didn't know Lacey to murder her um but Garagos brings up the burglary again he brings up during the trial and if you guys remember on Christmas Eve around Christmas Eve the neighbors that lived right across the street from the Petersons their house got broken into and there's a lot of floating statements about it where one witness says she drove by and it happened on um, Christmas Eve. So she says it happened around the time that Lacey supposedly disappeared. I think it was like 1140. 
um, in the morning that she saw three guys outside the house burglarizing it. And then the suspects ended up catching them, and then they had actually really strong alibis, and they determined that the robbery actually happened two days later on the 26th. And I know you're probably thinking, like, oh, doesn't the family know? The family was actually out of town during this. The family reported the robbery a few days after it probably happened whenever they got back into town. So that's why it's a little wishy-washy on when it actually happened. Um, but the theory that Garagos was trying to say was that Lacey was walking their dog, Mackenzie, and she saw the burglary and decided she was going to confront the men about it. And they abducted her and killed her, and that's why Mackenzie was found wandering, which I'm just saying, A, if I was that pregnant, I don't know that I would do that. I'd probably just call the police like from the safety of my home. Like, and you can right. them. Right. No, I don't think I would do that. No. B, Burglary and murder are two totally different crimes, and and also kidnapping. Yeah. I mean, that's just like a messy situation. I don't see that happening. Although I do think it's kind of weird that the cops determined the burglary happened on the twenty sixth, just because I feel like there would have been such a media frenzy already at the Petersons' house around this time, unless the burglary happened at different hours than we think. I think because the burgl- burglary, still can't say that word, <laughs> um, <laughs> happened on the 26th with so much media around, that may have been why they continued with it. Because the media was focused on the Peterson home. True. Not on the other home. And, you know, the media doesn't know that those people don't live there. So they're just, you know, doing their thing. Media has their attention on Scott and this missing pregnant woman. Um, I mean, the media all was like, well, we didn't see anybody there, but were you really looking because you were trying to find Lacey? Yeah, that's true. That's actually a good point. I didn't think about that. There was one reporter in one of the documentaries that was like, I was there at the Peterson's house all day and I didn't see anything, but I am kind of thinking like, Maybe you weren't paying attention to you when it happened, at you know? House. Yeah. Maybe it thought maybe you thought they were doing the landscaping or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think a burglary is gonna look like what it is. No. All I had to do was like, you know, go in the backyard, break open the back window. People aren't gonna see that. Yeah, they're gonna do something different. I don't know. It's just it's such a weird thing to think of that that still happens actually in this time age, but it does happen. But I guess uh, Garagos did question the cop, one of the cops involved in the case, and he wasn't really able to find any holes in his story. And like we said, the men had an alibi for the day that Lacey went uh, missing. So it just really didn't make sense that the burglars who, like we said, weren't expecting to kill anyone. They're just trying to rob something would be able to get Lacey in their car and no one would see this and that they would kill her elsewhere and dump her. We'd have to have a murder scene or a kidnapping scene or something. It just doesn't make sense. And dump her right where Scott was fishing. Yeah, exactly. Like like I said, they just, oh, we'll just keep her around in the in the van and we'll dump him over there. Like, I don't, they probably didn't know who she was at if, the time. If they weren't planning on killing somebody, they would have just dumped her body in a field close by. Not They're not driven her. Or shot her there in the street and drove away. I yeah. don't know. Something like that. But anyways, after six days of testimonies, Garagos rested and never called any eyewitnesses that he had earlier claimed to have. So, and I did hear, though, that there were some rumors. So those guys were in prison, and I guess one of their brothers 
um, I know they, they were in prison during the time, but one of their brothers was also in prison or something like that. And there was a rumor floating around that the brother was talking to one of the people that committed the burglary. And they were saying, like, what are we going to do about that pregnant lady? And so supposedly one of the officers at the prison heard this and called the Modesto police with this information. But then they were never able to really back this up or I don't even think the officer actually did do that I think it was just more of like a rumor um and I mean if that did happen I was kind of thinking about it I was like those guys are already in prison and I'm sure they would gladly accept money from someone to say something like that yeah to like give to their family or something yeah so, I don't know, just to, or like, create some doubt. What are we going to do about that pregnant woman because they were worried that they were going to get blamed for it? Like, it could have been taken so many different ways. Yeah, so, I don't know. Like I said, I think it was dumb of the cops to just release his, Scott's alibi in the beginning. Anyway, so... Yeah, <laughs> before Before Lacey was found, too, they released that alibi, which is why it's kind of weird, but... So during the trial, Scott never actually took the stand, and after seven days of deliberation that involved the replacement of two jurors... Yeah, this is actually pretty crazy. Yeah. uh, The jurors could not really come to a conclusion that Scott was guilty, and two different jurors eventually couldn't handle it. One of them was actually the foreman. Uh, He was a doctor and a lawyer, so you'd think he would be able to handle some pressure. If you guys don't know what the foreman is, he's kind of like the leader of the jury group. Like, they elect someone in the 12 jurors to kind of get it all together and be the leader in that way. And I I, I was reading, or no, I was watching something, and they were saying that this guy seemed the most level-headed, doctor, lawyer, and he had boxes and boxes of notes he had taken during the case, so that's why they're like, okay this guy knows what he's doing he'll be our foreman so they had a lot of trust in him and he couldn't yeah. hang <laughs> he so the, the the scandal with this one is that he uh, was most likely going to push for a not guilty and so he said he was getting bullied by other jurors oh no that was a different guy actually. oh that was a different guy yeah so there's oh. two different jurors so actually the guy. first guy the first juror that got let go he was gonna say um that he was thinking he was leaning towards Scott being innocent and he started receiving death threats, hate mail, people were showing up to his house threatening his family. Um, it was like cancel culture almost, but like yeah. they were just going crazy. And I think he didn't actually initially back out. I think the judge kind of was like, you need to step down or something like that. I can't remember exactly what happened. But then the foreman, the doctor and the lawyer, he was someone that I don't think anyone was expecting, and he was like, this is too much, I can't handle the pressure, and he backed out, and he's like, I need someone to replace me. So they had this cycling door of jurors, like, going out, a new one coming in, someone leaving, a new one coming in. It was in, like, two days' time or something like that. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, they delivered, deliberated for, well, it was a week. So I think the first one was five days of deliberation, and then the first juror left, and then it was like two more days, and then another juror left, and then they got the famous strawberry shortcake. Yeah, that was Rochelle Nice. Yeah, so she was like, she had very vibrant red dyed hair, like manic panic shit from Hot Topic probably (laughs) in her hair, and the media was like, oh, strawberry shortcake. But that girl, she... um. She was 
I, I think she pretty much decided. I was listening to an interview where they said she walked into the room and she's like, okay, guys, he's guilty. Let's get this done with. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've been deliberating the entire week. We're not just going to make a decision like that. You know, this is someone's life. But within six hours, they came out with their verdict. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy and I did hear or read something later that she apparently had her she had a child or something that was a victim of abuse I believe or she was scared of her child being a victim of abuse so I think there was some personal stuff there she kept referring to Connor as little man so I think a lot of the problem with the jurors is that they were not coming from things logically. They weren't looking at Scott as innocent. They were very emotional. Yeah. About and they it. had seen a lot of the media. Yeah. There was, um, I did, on one of the documentaries, they were saying that a bartender was saying, hey, these guys are talking about the case at the bar each yeah. night. And I was like, uh, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Not good at all. Scott Peterson was determined to be guilty of first degree murder of both Lacey and Connor. And he, that's probably one of the famous footages, camera photos, whatever you've seen of him, where he just has this blank stare on his face. He's just completely emotionless during the reading of his guilty verdict. And then, then they had deliberations for the death penalty because this is such a sensitive case because an unborn child was also killed. Um, people were pushing for the death penalty for him. So March 16th, 2005, a year later, he was sentenced to death by lethal injection and was put at San Quentin in California, San Quentin Prison. Yeah, Scott later said that he wasn't expecting to get the guilty verdict. Um, and so that's why he's explaining why he was emotionless. Um, he said it just felt like he was falling, I think is what he said. But well, he said, I had this amazing awful feeling. That's right. He called it an amazing, awful feeling, which I thought was strange. This is a weird choice of words. <laughs> everything about this guy was kind of off, so I don't know. It makes sense Scott fucking Peterson. Yes. Oh my god. So, several years later, while Scott was still in jail, Sharon Rocha took him to court over Lacey's life insurance. So this motherfucker had a life insurance policy on Lacey and collected $250,000 when she died. So he was in jail with all this money because, you know, he he killed Lacey and he collected her life insurance. Um, and he didn't want to give it up, but uh, Sharon took him to court and she actually won the case. So he got that money taken Good back. Good job. Yeah. So now we're going to move into some current news. Um, as we mentioned in episode one, that we were doing this episode because, you know, it's kind of back in the limelight. Just they current. Yes. <laughs> current. Uh, so it was brought back to our attention again because Scott's death sentence was overturned in August. Um, this choice made a lot of people angry. Um, but as of now, his conviction still stands. So it's not like he's going to be getting out anytime soon. Um, his just the death sentence was overturned in August because of some flaws in the jury selection. I guess some potential jurors were dismissed after saying that they weren't for the death penalty. Um, as much as I hate Scott Peterson, I can agree that this is unfair. Um, and then also a lot of jurors, like we were saying, were accused of being emotional and not logical in their determination. Um, yeah, like minutes after they decided he was guilty, um, 
they were at, like, Strawberry Shortcake, and some of the other jurors are on the news, and they're like, that asshole can die, and, yeah. like, saying stuff like that, and it's like, whoa, you literally Dude. just sentenced a man to, le- to death right now, and you're just out here. I mean, we're all we're all thinking it. Yeah, <laughs> just busted. You said it. <laughs> but you said it. Yeah, yeah. The Peterson family is thrilled. Um, which you know, let's cut them some slack. Like honestly, if my son was accused and then convicted of this, and I just couldn't see it happening, and obviously there's no um, clear evidence that this happened I would be like I owe it to my son it's my son like I need to stick by him if this is what he says so I do feel for them in a way but I'm also kind of like there's there's no other alternative like he did it he did it I don't know but they've always maintained his innocence and like I said they put together the spa group and there's like people all across the u.s that are part of this mainly women um that you know get their sleuthing on on the internet yes. which will probably be katie and i in 10 years but yep. <laughs> my not fresh manicure like i'm not karen <laughs> yes. um so in california a lot of recent death penalties that have been overturned have also seen the conviction overturned um this was not the case for Scott. He still has the guilty verdict, but they are probably going to bring it to court again um, because I think he, I read that he has 150 days to file because of COVID. Um, but they're claiming, and I can kind of see this point of view, that because the media was so heavily involved in so much making him out to be like, you know, the man or the monster, like Tabitha was saying on that billboard, um, that the media kind of, you know, decided his fate before he even hit the courtroom. Every time you say, like, man or monster, I think of the Muppet yeah. movie where he's like, yeah, are you a Muppet or a man? <laughs> or a Muppet of a, a man? Or if I'm a Muppet, I'm a very man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think of that with the man and the monster. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think it was just kind of a sign of the times. Social media wasn't big yet. We were saying MySpace was around, but it wasn't really huge. There's no Facebook. There's no Twitter. I um, think um, I think it'd be worse now. It would be. It would be because there are so many cases now that for a while, especially when the protests were happening and stuff, I was... I hate to say it, I was getting a lot of my information from stuff just circling around on Instagram. And then when I started looking into some of the things, I was like, oh, well, they left this part out or I didn't know about this or something like that. So I feel like it would have been a lot more convoluted. Yeah. 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 And it just would have been worse. It would have been faster. He definitely wouldn't have stood a chance then either. I think it definitely would have been worse, too. And it was very unfair with the media to, you know, both the Peterson and the Rocha families. Yeah. This Um, is kind of one of the first cases since the OJ, I would say, because the OJ was also very much like this, where the media was just so heavily involved. And since then, it's, you know, been progressing, which it's just going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, when people aren't fact checking, anybody can post anything. It's not, yeah, it's not helpful. <laughs> Although the, you know, I will say the news reporters, while they're not always factual, 
they're probably a little bit more sound than like you know your friend the instagrams stuff so yeah it is but yeah there was just so many people in a hurry to get the next big thing on this case and to be the first one to report on it and to you know wait outside and oh he's getting arrested and we gotta wait here at one in the morning just to see a a glimpse of the, the man who murdered his wife and stuff so there's just so much misinformation circulating around because fact-checking wasn't being done first. And then later, people were retracting, so the public was getting a lot of false information and then maybe not hearing that it was retracted. And like we said this before, social media hit it. Like, there was MySpace. I think I got my first MySpace around, no, a couple years after this. I kind of miss MySpace because you can put music on your MySpace. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, Facebook, get with it. <laughs> Or, insta- or you could change the color of the background. <laughs> I remember I thought I was like some big boss ass coder because I would like change the colors of my yeah. fonts and stuff, and I'm all like typing in the codes for the colors. I was like, yeah. I would yeah. go to like a site to get codes. Yep. So to learn how to put it in, and then yep. put it in my site, and be like, I could totally build a website. Look at me, <laughs> yeah. I'm so freaking smart. <laughs> exactly. I'm, all, I'm gonna like text this person on A shit. right now and tell them how smart I am. <laughs> Yeah. My aim name was Christian Bale Lover 45. I'm so... Uh, <laughs> oh I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Mine was... Well, I had two. I had the one that was like Blue Little Surfer Girl, even though I did not surf at that time at all. And the other one was Tall Tabs, which just stuck with me forever. But I've accepted it. It's fine. I'll forever be Tall Tabs. So after going through all of this, um, I definitely think that Scott's guilty. Um, I think maybe, yeah, true, he didn't have the most fair trial because of the jury. Um, But I think the facts that were presented, even though they were circumstantial, were enough to prove that he was guilty of killing Lacey. Um, Yeah, I... I've always thought he was guilty, just and I and I do think it's because of the media. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I watched that one documentary that A&E did, I was kind of like, huh didn't think about it that way or I didn't know about that there was like little things that I was like I didn't know about that or I didn't know they did this but then when we started researching for this episode I was like oh no he did it yeah <laughs> like, I mean we have the advantage because we're not just watching that like A&E documentary or not just watching like you know what are the other many documentaries that are on this guy we like are you know looking at the court documents and, and this that's guy the cool part fact. he has it's not just the court documents though it's like his history of yeah. being a deceitful person and just how he is a complete sociopath like yeah. and i mean there are very you know popular ceos of major corporations and businesses that have social sociopath tendencies it doesn't mm-hmm. mean if you're a sociopath you're going to kill someone but no, definitely not, but... it's definitely more likely that you're going <laughs> yeah, to kill someone and feel but... nothing so i don't know i'm just like when i was looking into his past and then also just seeing from the root of it starting with his family and violence occurring two generations back with his grandpa being murdered and then his mom obviously went through some very traumatic shit which yeah. affected how she raised Scott I'm mm-hmm. not saying she did a bad job at raising him but it affected how she raised him and then him needing to be perfect all the time so he learned how to be a Ken doll yeah. how to have the perfect smile the perfect day the perfect this how to stuff. hide and stuff and yeah. sociopaths and killers they hide in plain sight 
they're Mr. Normal or Mr. Perfect or whatever. That's just that's just what it is. And I don't think he killed Lacey because of Amber. I don't think it was like that. Um, no, he's too selfish for that. He I think it was Lacey Connor. What he wanted. Yeah. Connor. yeah, I think if Lacey never got pregnant, she probably would still be alive today, which is really terrible to say that because she deserved to be pregnant and to be a mom. But He was constantly lying about everything, but one of the constant things that he was telling everybody was that he did not want children. And, you know. So take this dating advice today. If your significant other says they don't want children... It ain't gonna happen. Don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. If you (laughs) even, oh, maybe they'll change their mind, you're gonna get murdered. (laughs) (laughs) You will, for a fact. (laughs) Oh my gosh, no. All right, so I want to go through a couple of sources that we use for tonight's, uh, or for both of the episodes, part one and two. Uh, We looked at the Modesto Bee, LA Times, some family interviews, the murder of Lacey Peterson, which is that A&E doc we've talked about. Scott Peterson, an American murder mystery, which is another documentary. On Hulu. Yes, on Hulu. Uh, Dateline NBC interview with Amber Fry, which is from 2005. ABC Dateline Truth and Lies special. Which I think was 2016. Pretty recent. Uh, History.com, Inside the Mind of Scott Peterson, which is a book by Keith Russell uh, Abloh. Ablo? I think it's quote. a blow. He's a, psy- a, it's a psychologist. Yeah. He he did, and that book um, is actually really good. Uh, he did his research. He actually hired even, like, special investigators to investigate Scott to help with his research on stuff. So it's a good read. That's the quote that Tabitha read on the first episode. So if you liked that, check out his book. Um, if you liked that. <laughs> if you liked that quote, if that was what your favorite. Uh, favorite. I would say that. So, um, Do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they might have. Um, so, and then there was Blood Brother, which is the book by Ann Bird. That's Scott's sister. So um, if you like Scott's sister, read that. Just kidding. Yeah, she thinks he's guilty, so... I don't know, be that. Um, court case documents and Lacey and Connor's autopsy reports. And then the clip we played earlier was from Fox News. Yes. So yeah. that's it. Um, we thought it was going to be a one episode smorgasbord, <laughs> but it turned into two. I think we're going to find that happening a lot. Um, so It's just like there's so much information. Like, you think you know a story. Like, even this one, I was like, it's so cut and dry. He's a fucking bastard. He did it. Yeah. And then I look into it, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And this too? And this happened? And the case honestly went through so many turns. You're like, oh, the dogs smelled that her body was definitely here. Then the next day, you're like, well, the dogs didn't fail their, they failed their exams. So yeah. it's like, those dogs didn't study enough. But yeah. Which actually, I just want to say, this was on Larry King's CNN interview where they're talking about after he got convicted. And Larry King is like, oh, so can you say what happened? And they're like, oh, well, he was this guy that interviewing. I don't know who the guy was. It was but a juror. Was he a juror? Yeah. He was a juror. And he says something like, oh, well, you know, a woman was unfortunately murdered and her and her baby were murdered. And Scott basically, you know, put her on his boat and dumped her in the ocean they're like okay well can you say how you guys determined that were there any witnesses like um well the only witness was the dog and uh he doesn't have any comment (laughs) it's just like what in the world he had like a little smile on his face it was like such a weird thing to say where i was like uh okay that would probably be me (laughs) yeah 
like, oh. That would be me. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> I'm going to go get a double-double. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you, guys. Um, again, follow us on our Instagram at Crimes and Cocktails. And if there's any information we did get wrong during this, please let us know. Or if you have anything else to say or questions or whatever, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at crimes.cocktails at gmail.com. Just no nudes. Thank you very much. And tune in next Thursday for our next episode. Yep. Thank you. Have a good night.